never worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show then you're probably a nerd Everybody, welcome to the It's Canon podcast. I'm your host this week. My name's Phil, and I am joined by Tyler. We've overthrown Boris and instituted a new rule. I know, right? It's um, sorry for everybody expecting to hear from Boris, but unfortunately, he got a little bit busy with some stuff at work. Believe it or not, we have lives outside of this, and uh, he's doing that today. So we're here to talk about everything comics, everything movies, everything video games, everything toys, everything geek. So it's your Canon podcast. Uh, I guess this is episode 16. So we're making our way through the episodes, even though I think we cheat that number quite a bit. Um, I guess I want to know, Tyler, what's going on in your world? What's happening? Oh, the return of Nazis continues at work. I had a couple of bad ones again this week, which is... It happens. I had a delightful customer in this week who said that, um, you know, they're really liking Lovecraft Country and John Hickman's X-Men because they're not political. Unlike what? Yeah, right. And I was like, unlike, unlike uh, uh, frickin the Watchmen. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Have you never read an X-Men comic? And I, I. They came in very late and they're already being a pain about like taking their mask on and off so i laid into them a little bit i um I, I don't think we've had very angry tyler in me actually trying to dismantle someone on the show in quite a while but it is a joy to see someone make an assertion and i don't know if phil knows this before but i actually have a law degree like i am actually a very <laughs> educated human in specifically how to destroy people's arguments. Yeah. So this person came in and I just dismantled that like line of arguments of just like, you're factually wrong. <laughs> you're, you're factually wrong about whether this is more political or not. And then he started to lip off about like the current state of politics in Canada. And then I dismantled that set of assertions. <laughs> and he just kind of ended by saying that like the head of the NDP party is a child and i'm like well now you're just being a dingus oh my goodness that's a one thing i don't miss about retail and that is especially in those types of environments i used to work in a a computer store Mm -hmm. so i had my fair share maybe not that extreme but my goodness that's like coming in and saying rage against the machine wasn't political I, i i get stuff like that all the time yeah, like I, I watched Tom Morello dismantle some people a few weeks ago that were yeah. like, well, y- you guys should leave the politics out of your music because like out of your Twitter feed because you left it out of the music. And he's like, what? 
<laughs> what are you talking about? Like, what the actual? But yeah. hey, yeah, you know, Chris Claremont bringing me back to uh, when Chris Claremont used to write for X Men, and it really took on that whole um, counterpoint with the mutants being ostracized and yeah. the 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 whole uh, uh, you know. Uh, history callback to the jewish prosecution and everything like that like the parallels the the whole writing style everything it's basically the foundation of a lot of modern x-men stuff in the movies at least uh, as far as i see the parallels but maybe that's just because that was a dream era for me reading comics and it just really got in there where it was just like it finally felt like comic books started to depart in the 80s from the whole whap bam bow pow kind of stuff and into deeper stories you know we had neil gaiman starting to come out with with sandman and things like that and comics got more real to me they got way more tangible and it was a fun time oh 100 percent, super with you and like i'm you know if, if the conversation was less i don't like this specific politics and more of like, you know, I just, I prefer something like Asterix, which is, you know, Asterix has some politics in it because you can't make art without it. But Asterix's politics are a lot of like pretty milk toast takes, <laughs> which again, yeah. fine. I have no problem with this. Um, but it's, it's bananas. The people that like now must be dealt with. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know. Maybe it's a product. I know we've got some stories coming up here that will probably relate back to a lot of this, but um, maybe it's a product of the pandemic and people just being in denial about a lot yeah. of stuff. Uh, I, I think that maybe I, I don't want to defend these people. I'm just trying to to put an explanation over some really bizarre stuff that I'm hearing. Oh, <laughs> so totally. I'll, I'll well, put that have, there. Yeah, I have theories in the like on it. Yeah. Um... Well, I used to basically want to make a sign that was, you know, you ever watch the movie Clerks, the great Kevin Smith movie Clerks? Yeah. Yeah. I always yeah. wanted to make a sign that just put up at the front of the store that said patrons must bathe. That was my biggest thing. <laughs> was going to yeah. help somebody and be like, oh man, you need a shower. Like. 100%. Well, it's the like, I need you. I just need you to wear a mask. Yeah, yeah, and that must be a huge challenge. Hey, speaking of clerks this week, Steve Whitmire, it was his birthday this week along with Jim Henson. I'm going to quickly call that out. The two of them were born on the same day, which actually floors me every year. Steve Whitmire, of course, was the voice of Kermit the Frog after Jim passed and was terminated by Disney uh, ungraciously. Um, But whatever, and he has his own little channel with this troll and whatnot, and he did Eye Heat this week with... Uh, 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 I'm not supposed to be here today, boy. Randall? No. What's his name now from Clerks? Oh my gosh. Well, we all know the guy. I'm not even supposed to be here today. The guy, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's playing the part of De Niro nice. <laughs> in this little, in this little exchange of the movie Heat. Yeah. Done with a puppet. <laughs> Opposite a puppet. Oh, amazing. So I got to give props to Steve for that because I saw it last night and it's a relatively short video. It's, it's a departure from what he normally does on that channel. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was just fun to see accredited actors and, and creative types getting together and, and merging synergy. Oh, totally. There's some like 
the the oh my god i i'm trying to do it without putting on like the the over the top academic hat um <laughs> there's some really cool stuff going on in terms of like different creatives who are out there and and, and taking this opportunity to like work on some bananas projects and ideas they wouldn't get to otherwise mm-hmm. um and you know you can criticize uh whether or not keanu reeves quote ought to get to use kickstarter um <laughs> but it's really cool keanu reeves is making a comic yeah well hey why not yeah. like here's one of the things that i think about actors just on this little aside here Mm-hmm. I don't know that actors are this walking bank of money. I think the more money you acquire, the more you find ways to either tie it up, you know, and build wealth off of it. But that means that money's tied up. It's not like you're just sitting there on a stack of cash yeah. and you're going, oh, all right, let me just finish wiping here and I'll give you that, yeah. that hundred. It, yeah. it, it means that maybe with these projects, they want to know the, de- the demands out there, which is why they probably lean towards a Kickstarter. If people are willing to put the money down, then he's willing to put his effort into it. He's not just going to do a loss leader on it. So, yeah, you know, but it's fun to see. You're right. Like it, it's a lot of creativity. I, I do think that, you know, the, the, I, I don't want to say there's no validity to whether or not they should get to do this. But yeah. yeah. And it came back to me, Dante. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> from clerks yeah. all right so we're gonna jump into our episode this week um first up off the top i think there was some massive video game news this week and that is xbox purchases zenimax and like we're talking banana pants money here like seven billion dollars so to me it looks like on the surface that xbox or microsoft gets locked out of this TikTok deal. And then what do they do? They go, well, we kind of had this money freed up. So what are we going to do with it? Well, you know what? The Xbox division, it could use a little bit of a kick in the pants. It could use a leg up on Sony. Let's just go out and drop $7 billion and pick up ZeniMax, you know, which means that we get id software, we get Bethesda, we get everything. Like this is a huge video game company. And now Xbox are sitting there saying, well, we're going to merge all of these titles into our Xbox Game Pass and make it even that much more powerful, which they admitted this week that they have 15 million subscribers to this service. Yeah. Pretty impressive number. And yeah. now they're building the strength of this, this subscription service even more. Like it wasn't enough that they just added cloud gaming. You know what I mean? Like now we're talking about aggressive, like they added EA Pass or EA Play, I guess, with all their vault titles. Mm. And now we're in the like games like Skyrim and stuff like that, like and and Doom. I was going to say Doom might be the bigger, more relevant one right now, given that Skyrim has just been them making the same game over and over again. And apparently they're working on like a new title. Uh, that's going to rival 2077 or be science fiction-y. Would love that. Yeah. I honestly, like, I would love... <sighs> yeah. Um... Yeah, so I... I... There's, a lot of been, there's a lot of stuff been talking about this deal and whether or not, like, how long it goes back, because they haven't really said how long mm-hmm. this deal's been in the works. 
and, and you know anyone who knows corporate law can attest that sometimes these deals take months or years to get yeah. figured out. Um, it is worth noting that uh, Microsoft has explicitly said we're not guaranteeing any. Like we're not we're not going out there and saying all the stuff's going to be Xbox exclusive or right. Windows exclusive. I mean, you look at Outer Worlds, which was a subsidiary of Microsoft, and they were like, "Yeah, PS4, whatever, we don't care." Um, so it 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 looks like yeah, they're going to do it quasi similarly to how Sony's doing their more in-house stuff, but a little more lenient in that like. I would imagine this ends up being stuff of like, oh yeah, it's going to be on PS5 and Series X and your PC, same time, same launch date. Uh, but oh, you know, we maybe have this little extra bonus that drops if you play it on Xbox and you have Game Pass or whatever. Yeah. To no, say I... nothing of you know the, the sheer number of games that just go straight to Game Pass. Yeah, and, and, and to be clear too, right? Exactly to your point. We don't know what the history of this purchase was. If it was something that got slapped together rather quickly in principle, they agreed to these terms. It obviously has to go through a lot of review and whatnot by the industry and by the safeguards. But, you know, it'll be in full swing probably in a year. Um, Microsoft have declared that they're going to be semi hands off. They want the, the, the studios to continue to produce as they were without much Microsoft interference. But they also came out and they said that they're not going to interfere with those contractual obligations. Mm-hmm. So Deathloop will still be coming out for the PS5. Even yeah. though it was never supposed to come out for the Xbox, I think now the asterisk is beginning to emerge where they're going to say, hey, you know what? It's an exclusive on the PS5 for contractually says one year. Yeah, or and then maybe you'll see it port over to the Xbox and into Game Pass. So yeah. I, I think that there's definitely longevity things. And, you know, they played this game with Bungie a little bit and Activision when they when they were doing Destiny. Destiny signed up for a ton of shit ton of exclusives yeah. with PlayStation. And it basically locked Xbox out for a year on a lot of content, which really damaged that player base. And now that Bungie's extracted itself from Activision, we're yeah. seeing that they're running open arms towards Microsoft and Xbox. And yeah. it's to the point now where um, this week they launched Destiny 2 with all the add-ons, which were barred from coming on to Xbox for a time period. They rejoiced in the fact that, yes, it's on Game Pass. It's 108 gigabytes to download. I downloaded it. It was interesting. And then I linked yeah. my accounts. And then I got a whole bunch of achievement points for doing nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if anybody's wondering why my achievement point score, score jumped by another 600 this week, we know why. But yeah, I, I think it's a good it's a good purchase. It's it's definitely a great portfolio. Now, the rumors are that Microsoft isn't done yet and they're looking at maybe purchasing Sega. Interesting. So Interesting. I think that that signals to me that they're interested in getting in on the battleground of Mario, which was always Sega's dream, right? Well, they came up with Sonic the Hedgehog. They came up with endearing characters and endearing games. They were nowhere near the popularity of Mario, but I think it just shows that there's a legitimate play to be in that, in that zone with recognizable mm-hmm. IP, right? Yeah. I don't know if it'll happen. It's the rumor. I keep on seeing it pop up in thumbnails and things that I read on the internet. I just keep on seeing it reoccur. 
So yeah. who knows? Now, in other news, we had pre-sale disasters. We all know about the PS5, and we know that they released more PS5s, and I can't wait to hear Tyler's story about his experience. As well, Xbox taunted Sony on Twitter, and then Xbox site crashed <laughs> on their yep. pre-launch, on and their crashed. pre-sale or sale. And so I don't, I don't really like this. I think there's two conversations. There's the fact that demand is so high on these on these products. 2020 is definitely gaming. A gaming year given all the the couch time that we have. But as well, I just think that it's getting to be really bad policy to get on social media and shit talk your competitor when you can't back it up. I I I just got a little irritated by that, by the fact that Sony's throwing it and then I'm watching the pre-sales and Everything is just a mess. It wasn't as bad as PS5, but it wasn't good. It wasn't shit talk good. Mm-hmm. You have any thoughts? Oh, I I know I, you have experience. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm with you on that point, though. I think that I have a bunch of views about this whole frickin' the mess this has been <laughs> trying to handle all this. And I don't think you can say it's anything but right the it's literally to the point where i don't even want to bother trying yeah i'm i'm pretty darn close to not even trying anymore um the it's 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 a dog's breakfast none of it's being handled well neither like both sides are like oh we're doing great and it's like they're not and we talked about it a little bit off of the Hershmanders, off of this. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's this very strange circumstance where so much anti consumer stuff is happening and I don't understand how that just seems to be like, oh, that's just okay. Yeah. I, you know what? In my naive way, okay, mm-hmm. I was thinking about this after sharing your experiences privately with us, uh, like you know, just our banter. Yeah, and it used to be you just walk into your EB or your Best Buy or whatever, and you go, "Oh shit, look at that!" Yeah, the PS Five's coming up, or maybe you go and you buy the Avengers game, and the guy behind the counter says, "Do you want to reserve your PS Five now? We've got yeah. a waiting list." I go, yeah. You know what? Yeah. You know what? Let me give you 50 bucks. It's not even, I don't even need to worry. Like 50 bucks. Here you go. I'll have the money when the, when the thing comes out. Don't worry. Here's my 50 bucks. They save me a spot in line. And then they give you a call and they go, well, it's releasing at midnight tonight, or you can come in tomorrow and pick it up. It's up to you. We've got one for you, or we don't have one for you, but we'll have one soon because you were a little late on the pre order. Yeah. Like, okay. I appreciate that. Thanks for the heads up, dude. Appreciate it. All right, I get my call. I go in, I pick it up. Simple times. Yeah, the new this is ad- like all online. Here, we need your seven hundred dollars now. Well, there's, <laughs> you know? there's there's that, and there's that. Like, no one will take an extended list. Yeah, this weird new policy of like no one is taking the extended list, and I do not understand why. And they're like, oh, we'd have it'd be like three hundred names long, and I'm like, 
you don't want 300 like all but guaranteed customers yeah like even if you have an attrition rate of 50 percent yeah why would you not power through that yeah i i the only thing that's going to kill that list is if people walk into Walmart and there's just mountains of PS5s or Xbox One, Series X, whatever the hell it's called. Well, sitting there and they go, well, you know what? I, I ordered it at EB. I want my 50 bucks back. <laughs> and then they're going to come to you and get their 50 bucks back. And yeah, from EB, you might be pissed at that. But man, you had a chance at that customer if you could have secured the product. Yeah. So this gets to our larger thing that we were talking about and we want to talk about today, which is that. Like there's it it's and this isn't me being like, how dare capitalism be capitalism? <laughs> it's me scratching my head at how companies think they can do like things that piss off their customers indefinitely and just not care. Like no one they just like, well, that's you know shit. I thinking about this a little bit and I just think that it's the way the mercenary world is now. If you look at most places of work, there's sure. a lot of contractors. Yeah. They have no real obligation to your brand. They just come sure. in, they do their job, they leave. If they're really good, maybe they stick around. And I think the customers and the corporations that run these retail outfits are now looking at the the clients and just saying, we have no obligation anymore. Because almost every single store that I used to have a loyalty program with, it's pretty much gone now. Yeah. Right? Like it used to be Best Buy would give you money back so you could buy other shit. Yeah. You know, at discount or whatever. Um, none of these programs exist. And I get for a while there, I was like, well, maybe margins are just too tight. I, I understand. I used to be an assistant manager of a computer store. I understand the margin argument, but at the same rate, Xbox released this week the price points on their extended one terabyte SSD storage cards. Yeah. Which are proprietary, everybody, and they ring in at two ninety nine American. The cost for how much? How much storage for one terabyte? Yeah, one terabyte of storage. So basically, if you're buying an Xbox Series S, then you're going to have to double that price in order to get usable save space for games. Because as I said, ladies and gentlemen, I downloaded Destiny Two this week, and it was a hundred and eight gigabytes. Yep, and that's not in four K. Yeah. <laughs> so the size of games are going to balloon. Like if you've got a one S or one of these discless Sony's coming, you're looking at maybe one to two games on your hard drive. Like that's a lot of management. Yeah. It's bananas. I'm running like four terabytes of data off of my Xbox and PS3 right now, just to house usable libraries. I, I'm with you. I'm with you on all these points. It is bananas. It is, it is. And I mean, we were talking, I want to get back to the, the, the side of it. Of Like you said, like loyalty programs are going away and all this stuff. And like, if you're Best Buy, I don't, why would you want to encourage your customers to be increasingly mercurial? Like mm -hmm. what, what my day job, we do the exact opposite. Like we will take an unlimited um, order list and we say mm -hmm. to you, like, here's the deal. You know, your person, 170 on this list. <laughs> I can't guarantee you anything. Yeah. But if I go through that list and I get to you, you're getting a phone call. Mm -hmm. Because it's an Excel file. It's 
15 minutes of my day. Yep. If that, and I get customer loyalty. And then customers come back and customers are willing to spend more money and do stuff like, you know, if our player's handbook for D&D is five bucks more than Indigo or whatever, they're still going to come to my store because they're like, well, but I care about them. And they do all these other good things that I'm willing to subsidize. It's the exact same as we're seeing on Patreon right now of people want to pay more for stuff they like and people they care about. Yeah. I don't understand how you can run a business being like, no, I'm going to try to be Amazon, but worse. Yeah. Like, like nobody likes dealing with that attitude out in the real world. And that's what companies are missing in that boardroom meeting or whatever, wherever these decisions are being made. Right. Is like when you start screwing over your customers, I know the customer will screw you. All right. Uh, I I know that. And I, I know that there are guys. All right. Like in, in my experience, I've done things where I've put together group travel trips to sporting events and things like that. We're just going to have a good time. We book a bus. We all go, hey, look, it's 100 bucks each. It costs $5,000 for the bus. There's 55 seats. We put in this much money. We go, and somebody will complain, I wish it was 95. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I realize that very quickly. Nobody's happy. So I understand no, no, that point of view from a business not nobody's side. happy. It's not everybody's happy. Yeah, it, you can't make everybody happy. And I understand that that shouldn't be your primary motive. But when it's something so simple, well, it really saying, is. Like, I might get to you. I might not. Exactly like you say. Here's the caveat, dude. All right. You're 170 on this list or 350th yeah. on this list. The yeah. odds are stacked against you, but I'm not going to be a shit to you. And the other side of like, look, you're 300th on the list. I'm ordering a metric ton of PlayStations, but we'll see. And then let's say like, it's like, here's the deal. If I'm still, if you're still not list in December, I'm throwing the list out at that point. Yeah. I would be very chill with that of like, by December, like I have no idea what's going on. I don't know if you've gotten one or not yet. Cause I get it. Cause part of the, part of the concern is, you know, you pre-sell 300 PS5s and somehow you manage to get like 300 PS5s and all of a sudden a bunch of your customers have bought elsewhere already. I get you don't want to hold on to dead stock. Yeah, but, but that stock's never going to be dead. Well, like for the next year, you're guaranteed that you're going to be able to, to basically sell it at cost, at worst. And yeah. if you're taking, let's say, a minimum of 10 to 50 bucks down, all right, and you're, and you're willing to give that back, it's not a significant amount of money, but it might be a bit of a purchasing money for a company that's in trouble. Like, like you know, let's not make out like EB Games slash GameStop slash any game front is killing it in this world because it seems like every time I tune in to look at numbers about digital sales, even though sometimes you can find the anti-digital sale kind of movement, it seems like the digital sale movement is gaining a lot of ground. 100% over 100%. you know because I, just off of my experience I can tell you man it's way easier to not stand in line in the middle of the night and to sit there and go hey guess what at midnight I can just be in my shorts I turn on my PS4 and the game's there and this is exactly what I'm saying of how do you run a business and you're like oh yeah no fuck that why would I do anything to get this fixed up for me and it just it's like you said, they're not doing great. So yeah. why would you like why would you give your customers no reason to care about you? 
Yeah, you're right? you're basically pushing us towards the Amazons. Yeah, and and like I get it. You probably can't go back to what you were in EB Games, and that's a pain. But there are a lot of us who will are willing to like be loyal mm-hmm. and get our used games and stuff through you and do the buy and sell and you make money on those transactions. Yeah, like let, let Yeah. Let's face it, the people behind the counter at EB Games are no different than the people that are at the independents. They're people in my community. No. Yep. That deserve employment, that deserve being treated like regular human beings, that deserve my loyalty if that's if I get along with that dude. I don't care if he's if he's at microplay or at eb or wherever if that's the person or girl that i relate to and i go hey look i'm buying my video game what do you think of this they give me an opinion and i i attach to them i want to support them you know yeah. we all talk about shopping local and doing things like that then why the hell would you take a corporate policy that's anti-consumer well yeah and and i mean if you want to look at the proof in the pudding this is exactly what starbucks's policy was it was we are gonna make everyone's local coffee shop because and and you look at how starbucks treats their employees mm-hmm. it's bananas yeah and i gotta say i will put this out i was going to say it earlier about the loyalty the only loyalty that shows me any love is starbucks right i hate to say it but they send me messages they encourage me to purchase product in a non-offensive way and my experience is always great when I walk into a Starbucks. It is hands down. Like I walk into a Starbucks and there's at least three people that are saying hi to me that are asking about this podcast Yeah, that are actually involved with me as a customer. And they're serving me the cheapest, you know, not the cheapest. It's Starbucks. I get it. I could go to Tim Hortons, yeah. but they're serving me a, a product that isn't on the high end. It's not a fucking PS5. <laughs> like, it, I, w- I was a black card member at EB. I was that infamous card that no one could ever get because I bought three video game systems in a year. Plus, I Boris will attest to this, I buy every single video game in, in the world pretty much and, and archive it. Yes, I I have a lot of video games. I don't play them all. I, uh, yeah. but anyhow stores love me they love me and my wallet to come in and yet <sighs> yeah and it, it, these companies then like you know it it's that race to the bottom of they look at like well why does amazon keep eating my lunch and it's like well because you have told the customer <laughs> that's their best bet yeah now i'm gonna move it forward Amazon launches Luna. <laughs> yeah. All right. These guys are using their AWS servers. They're combining it with Twitch. They've got iOS support. All right. Using the web. They've bypassed the guys at Apple on this. Mm-hmm. And here's the killer thing. I know there's a lot of stuff memeing out there this week about the controller looking exactly, exactly like the Nintendo the Nintendo Switch Pro controller. Oh yeah. So, you know, it's very unoriginal looking. But anyhow, the kill, the killer feature that I was talking about was the fact that this controller links to the cloud. It doesn't. 
link to a device to mm-hmm. translate a Bluetooth connection that then translates it to the cloud that then brings it back to you. So they've, they've taken one latency leg out of this equation, which I thought was rather brilliant. Possibly. Possibly. If it works. works. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big F. Yeah. All this new tech. Sometimes it's like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Stadia. (laughs) Um, God, that came and died real fast. Yeah. Well, it's still out there, but, you know, it's just a matter of time before Google lowers the guillotine. Probably once it starts getting a little more popular, (laughs) Google will kill it. Got it. Um, I don't know what kind of game lineup. I didn't investigate this heavily, people. So I, I'm just going off of the the titles. I'm 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 hitting easy gophers out of the out of the out of the whack a mole here. But um, I, as far as I know, the subscription service kind of works in a channel like format, which has got to be appealing to like companies like Ubisoft and different developers, where they're going to be able to get a channel and maybe some direct revenue. Um, the integration to Twitch as well is going to be interesting. That's a big platform to be able to basically you'd be able to sit there, watch on your Twitch stream, somebody playing a game like let's say Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And then something would come up and just say, do you want to play it? Just click here, play it now for free for an hour. Yeah. Like talk about now we're getting in a really creepy Amazon and oh, by the way, I love our corporate overlords in Amazon. Um, but yeah. we're getting into really interesting marketing areas with technology now. We are seeing the realizations that uh, come with some of what's going on. Any thoughts on this, Tyler? <laughs> I kind I, of played that up. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. Amazon. It's going to be Amazon. I I think that the the Twitch integration is going to be an interesting view and an interesting handle on things. There's a lot of weird stuff happening on Twitch right now. Mm. But what makes it big on Twitch is more art than science. I mean, Among mm-hmm. Us is possibly the greatest example of recent history of a game being out. Like, didn't it come out like in 2018? Yeah. And now it's like the biggest game on Twitch. Like two years later, it didn't start getting picked up to like July, August this year. Um, so I, I mean, I think that the Twitch integration is Amazon being like, look, a selling point. And I think most people who give it bats the donkus are like Twitch functionally integrates with everything now, either directly or someone's built an app you can use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I- I find this whole Twitch thing interesting. It just seems to me like somebody went to Jeff Bezos one day and said, hey, you know, we own Twitch. Yeah. And Jeff oh, was like, okay. what? I, 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 I was drunk when I bought that. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like, like there, I, I was distracted. How many billions did I spend? Oh, no, it was, it, it was Justin TV. <laughs> you bought it for a couple hundred thousand or something. You know, yeah, I don't know what the real not. story is. I know that yeah. it used to be Justin TV. Um. And it's just amazing to me because it always seems to be this like back end monster on Amazon that Amazon, like it's like a, an illegitimate child or something. Amazon don't really embrace it that often, 
And this might be its chance, right? Like this might be a situation where we're going to be getting into the idea that Amazon starts monetizing or aggressively putting effort into the gaming sector. And, you know, Microsoft is famous for always saying its competitors, as much as it loves Sony and Nintendo, its competitors are not Sony or Nintendo. Its competitors are Google and Amazon. They've always had their rectacle publicly pointed at that because they can buy Sony or Nintendo. Microsoft don't have a cash flow problem. And these companies are small enough that even though they're competing in that market, they don't compete as a company on whole. True. So Amazon and Google do, and it seems like both of them are in, it seems like Google went half-assed in. They tried to make the splash. They tried to say to everybody, look, we're Google, we're in the gaming, we've got your back, even though Mm -hmm. I've got a daydream. I know what happens with Google. (laughs) <laughs> they stop at certain points. Yeah, Amazon seemed to be doing the opposite here, where they're just kind of creeping in and saying, uh, we kind of already have gaming cred. And, uh, we're going to launch this now. And I don't know, does it build? Does it evolve? It's a, it's a different approach rather than trying to smack into the industry and saying, hey, everybody, uh, give us 10 bucks a month and we'll give you all your games that you can buy anyway. <laughs> yeah. Price. Yeah, that was... Yeah, that's where it falls down for me. Like, I'm not even trying it. But to be fair, Xbox Game Pass streaming uh, seems to rock. So I I see the future. My eyes are open. And through all this stuff, I know that personally, as far as gaming goes, through all of this um, stuff with Sony and Xbox, I got to say, I'm starting to get converted to this Game Pass type of I, I, I might buy an Xbox first because there's nothing more discouraging than having to start over with the PS5. And especially oh, yeah. when there's no titles there. Like, I'm functionally racing to go out to buy something that's just going to look pretty next to my TV. I mean, they are getting some really good launches pretty soon after. Yeah. And they've done the clever thing of like, they just dropped, like, oh, all these games are going to be digital free if you're in the ps plus collection yeah Um, but i already have all those games on my ps4 true yeah no that's a different situation for you all your digital games from ps4 do go over to the ps5 but your account still lasts um but i definitely feel you of like there's some both sides are are getting increasingly interested in locking you in Mm mm-hmm I'm already locked into both. They both do what they're going to do to me. All right. And I'm here to experience it, report on it and enjoy it. All right. I'm just starting to say that out of all, all the ones that I probably made fun of the most with Xbox, I'm starting to really come around on it where it's just like game pass is awesome. Um, The lack of launch titles isn't really a problem fact that they're back cataloging and upgrading some of my titles is now attractive where I go, there's nothing wrong with Forza Horizon 4. It plays great. Now you're telling me you're going to make a 60 frame per second or 120 frame per second 4K version specific to if I buy an Xbox Series X? Sign me up. Yeah. Like, 
give me that free shit that I've been paying for for all this time. Like, you know, Sony aren't doing the same thing. They're even putting the screws to people over the Spider-Man this week. It's confirmed now that if you buy Miles Morales for the PS4 because you can't get your hands on a PS5 version, if you go and slide that disc into your PS5, yeah, it'll give you Miles Morales at 4K, 60 frames per second, or 120, or whatever the number is. Yep. But they won't give you the old game in the upgraded platform. Yeah, that's weird. The only reason why you get that is if you have the PS5 and you buy the PS5 version. Yeah, that's weird. So that they're going to make you pay point. another 20 bucks. Like, really, Sony? Really? Yeah, By the way, weird. I bought Rebel Galaxy Outlaw came out this week. Yeah. On it came out on I love the first one, Rebel Rebel Galaxy. Yeah. Outlaw came out this week. It's been a long time. I've had it on my Steam account. I bought it on I paid the 40 bucks. And I actually made the choice to buy it on my Xbox versus my PlayStation, which is normally my main gaming rig, because I just got mad at PlayStation. Fair. About all this crap with the PS5 and everything like that. And I felt like, you know what? I want the developer to get my money. I really like this title. I really like the soundtrack. I really like the gameplay. I'm going to go spend my time and my efforts in that platform on that game. So yeah. it's interesting what's happening. I, I find that it's interesting watching what I want to do and how it's how other customers are probably in a similar boat. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love for people to let us know what you think. So, we're going to move on to movies. Big news this week. Black Widow has been pushed to 2021. I'm not even going to report any dates. We're just going to go by years now. (laughs) Yeah. Just whatever. Nothing matters. NATO, the North American, I don't know. It's NATO, but it's not the NATO we're thinking. It's basically the theater um, overlords have basically announced that they know that theaters are going to close with the second wave. What a and that, gosh darn surprise. Yeah, it's going to jeopardize all the dates that have been put forward for movies. Uh, so Disney went out and said, we're not putting Black Widow on Disney Plus because their last release was somewhat vague about the possibility of it showing up on Disney Plus. It just basically said that we're moving it to November launch. And when you say launch, it could be digital. It could be theater. I did. There was there was a little bit of ambiguity there. So now they're saying that Black Widow is officially pushed into, I believe, May 2021. Which then pushes almost everything else in the MCU. Yeah, I don't think that's a surprise. Yeah, well, I, I think they, they need the breathing. Yeah, they need the breathing room on the MCU because I think that Guardians 3 really messed it up from what I'm hearing. The fact that James Gunn is unavailable to do it because of the contractual obligation towards DC after Disney basically gave him the middle finger. Um, well, let's slow down. Let's let's chill on that one. They made a staffing decision that I. They made a staffing follow. decision that wasn't in James Gunn's favor. And as a, as a director, I can respect that maybe he's a little less enthusiastic. Sure, yeah. but he also wants. Money. Yeah, he also wants to complete what he what he started out. So I'm sure it's a difficult position for James. All right. I'm not here to say yes or no or judge. I'm just saying as a person, 
he's probably got to feel a little bit of ill will or not really motivated to get to get on it. And secondly, the pandemic can't make it easy either. You know, so we're looking at 2021 thoughts. I mean, that's I, I don't know who we didn't know this would happen. This is going to come. It's it 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 is flabbergasting the number of people out there who are still like, oh, no, we'll totally like it'll be open in a month. And it's like, how are you? No, no, yeah. it won't. Yeah, it, like I think I saw a news report this week that really put it into somewhat of perspective when compared to the Spanish flu of 1918, yeah. where basically it paralleled the first wave and the second wave or paralleling the times. Yeah. And the first wave was like, was way smaller than what North Americans numbers are. And I'm going to say North America. All right. Yep. Uh, and then the second wave basically was like our first wave. <laughs> And that was jaw dropping back then. So I'm not expecting happy times. And people did the exact same shit that they're doing now. Excuse my French, but they did the exact same stuff that they're doing now. And they acted like idiots and they ignored social distancing. They, yeah, they just lived life. It's the way that we always have. It's bananas. How little changes. Yeah. And they completely gave it the legs (sighs) to come back. Like it, it's absolutely, I, I'm not surprised, but I'm surprised as well. Cause I don't know. I live in my man cave. <laughs> I, I work, I wake up, I work, I, I, I watch media and I go to sleep, but I try to avoid all humans, you know, except for me. Oh, I hear you. Yeah, it is. It's, it's tough, man. Yeah. It's tough. such banana. Yeah. Everything's you know, terrible. Wear your masks, people. I'm just. I, I know Tyler is probably sick of saying this at work, but wear your freaking masks. Have some, some, you know, it, it really bothers me because I saw demonstrations all this weekend about people that don't want to wear masks. And I know it's only a, a small percentage. So I'm not speaking by and large at the lot, the majority of listeners, I don't think. But for those, those few or those people that we know that don't like masks, you... You had similar pushbacks to wearing seatbelts in cars when they became mandatory. Yeah. And I don't think now people really question putting a seatbelt on. Oh, but at the time. Surprised. Oh, I think there are a lot of people who don't, but I don't think they do it based off of freedom. Whoa. I think they do it. Really? <laughs> you got to talk to some mechanics. Oh, wow. Because I, the number of mechanics I've talked to, they're like these idiots. They will like plug in their seatbelt and sit on top of it because government can't tell them what to do. And it's like your body is just going to go flying out that front window and ragged all across the pavement. Yeah. Like, I, I got to tell you, my brother is a police officer. And the amount of, like, and he used to be a forensics photographer. The amount of stories that I heard about people not wearing seatbelts. It's is mortifying. Like, there's, there's no choice in my mind about wearing a seatbelt. I, I, yeah. And the same thing equates to me about wearing a mask. It's, you know what? It is quite arguable. And masks are not 100%. Neither are condoms, people. But nothing is. Nothing is. But the thing is, is that the mask is probably a higher uh, efficacy rate 
than even a vaccine at this point. Like if they came out with vaccines, the vaccines would be like 50 to 60%. The mask is like 95%. (laughs) Yep. I I just don't get it. Like socially distancing and masks. I mean, do you want to know what a mask is much better at stopping what it's supposed to then? What? A lot better than owning a gun. Yeah. Just statistically, defending yourself with a gun, your numbers are not nearly as good as wearing a mask to defend yourself versus what it is defending you against. Yeah, Stand makes on sense. My side. Yep. Oh, man. Lawyered. <laughs> I mean, people will argue against stats all the time. There's just, yeah. no one understands numbers. Nope. Speaking of numbers. Oh, no. Speaking of Black Widow being pushed to 2021. Oh, yeah. Do we think that Dune is next? Yeah. I don't <laughs> understand how Dune is not. I don't like, just. I don't understand how there hasn't been just a flat like it's just it's online or it's not coming out i'm curious do you want to look up the the totals for tenant because i heard something claim this week that they actually have made about 300 million in the box office and i thought that that sounded absolutely insane uh nope i'm okay the wrong thing give me a second okay autocorrect fight me yeah, because uh, I, I heard that number and I thought if they did three hundred million, like standing O, uh, Christopher 250, Nolan, two fifty one worldwide. That ain't bad, all things that, considered. That ain't good. Forty one point two domestic. Yeah, for that movie, it needs to make a lot more. I get it, but I am shocked that that's the total worldwide. Yeah. So Tenet reported a budget. Of 205 million to make it. That's a little on the low side. Yeah. It's a lot of money, but. That's how much it costs to make. So they made their money. 225 million, depending on how you're budgeting it. And it's worth remembering that, like, while it has some very, very talented actors in it, there were no RDJs that cost $26 Mm -hmm. million. Right. They had no actor who was like, oh, this is like 10% of our budget in one person. Yeah. Well, well you know what? If, if I take 250 and then I think about the video aspect, like that market, I, I would imagine it's going to be a lot of people who buy that. Maybe. Like, yeah. They're saying 41.2 million domestic, and usually you want your domestic to beat. Yeah, and it's worth remembering that the reason that your your overseas can do so well is because all those countries are allowed to have movie theaters again. Yeah, yeah, because they're not dank and moist. <laughs> I'm trying to see. Uh, yeah, thirty million in China thus far. Eh? That's about what I expected. Yeah, yeah. Seven point yeah. one mil from UK, six point seven from France, ten point three from Korea, South Korea. No, well, you know what? Good on them. I, 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 I think you know it. It, it, it's an interesting time we live in, ladies and gentlemen. And I, I don't know that if anything else, just keep your eyes and ears about you, especially in this type of news, because there might not like if things go back to normal, things get really boring again. 
We're just talking about weekly numbers. We're just talking about breaking records. This this is like a, a battle of survival here. This is the low, I mean, to talk about numbers and breaking records. The weekend Tenet came out was the lowest box office weekend for a major opening in over 32 years. Amazing. When you account for inflation, it's like the worst opening in history. Yeah, and that's that's not that's not a reflection on the movie. That's the times, right? Oh, so, that's what I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying it though. No, no, it's fun to observe. It's fun to observe. All right, moving on. I know we all know it's here. I've been talking about it all week. I don't know if Tyler or Boris has been listening. But we have Mando Season 2 news. All right, so it's, it's exciting it time. news, or is this more speculation? Because I do feel um, like we got... One that's, one that's kind of news, okay. but still on the speculation side. I'm not going to give it the yeah. bona fide, you know. And one that is... is uh, the rest is rumor. Yeah, I just... I There has been, speaking frankly, bananas yeah. coverage on Mandalorian Season 2 that reports itself as truth and then is oh. like within 24 hours revealed as... Yeah, fake or or n- not real. Well, Trumped this is speculation. Let's let's yeah. put it all as speculation. We'll put I that title to... on everything. Yeah. It's just that one of them, the actor who played Django Fett, we knew he was recast. Or yeah. He was cast into Mandalorian season two. It turns out that his management company put on their website. It has since been taken down but did update their website that this client is reprised his role as Boba Fett. Sure. For I Mandalorian mean, season two. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, it's worth noting that because Boba Fett was a clone mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the clone soldiers were clones, it, it could be entirely that this was another clone that is taken on the Boba Fett identity. Yep. Oh, there's a lot of play in there. Yeah. I, yeah, and, and marketing it as Boba Fett is is a hundred percent like. Ah! Yeah, because we kind of had him in season in episode five, for all those people who had their little antennas up at the end of the season five, uh, episode five, and season one. There was a, a particular sound when a mysterious set of legs walked onto set at the end of the episode, and that mysterious sound was the sound of Boba Fett spurs so that was kind of the the fan base and then even in the disney gallery john favreau and dave filoni kind of hint at it sure and it's pretty obvious when you watch it um i forget which episode that was in though to be fair uh i'm not surprised i know that there was also talk that he could be playing rex because we know that Rex survived. It is confirmed in Rebels that Rex was at the Battle of Endor. He was the white-bearded dude back in 1984. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with that kind of... Yeah, I, I love those little connections. It, I know it wasn't whatever Yeah, It just turns out that they're able to work the story and the characters into this position. Yeah. Um, I watched the, the end of Rebels last night. I watched the end of Clone Wars, or I watched some of the relevant episodes of Clone Wars. I found it was very interesting to see how Dave Filoni, in particular, is drawing the potential of the Mandalorian into some really big storytelling themes that he opened up in those things. 
Um, the rumor is there, there's also an actor out there that got on Twitter this week who basically says that he's Ezra Bridger. Well, live and then, and then and he walked he back. He said, no, that was a lie. Yeah, but he didn't quite say it's a lie. He basically walked it back to, to the point where Disney wasn't going to give him crap. He, he said, he went on to say, I would love to be Ezra Bridger. Yeah. And then he thanked the Star Wars audience for being so awesome and having great fans. And basically, this looks like a little bit of smacks of a PR move where it's like making up with the fan base and trying to rectify things without overtly doing so. Yeah. It really has a lot of PR um, ways of an actor ingratiating yeah. himself to the audience, preparing people for it, but staying out of the corporate stew. And I believe the corporate end of it would even be like, well done. Like if it wasn't planned, well done. Thank you for that. Because we've just gained 2.5 million more viewers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Potential viewers. Yeah, I think that, I mean, bringing back Ezra, which they had, you know, properly set up, unlike Boba Fett. <laughs> like, Boba Fett was ostensibly dead, and, and we've talked about the problem mm -hmm. with major studios refusing to kill characters, and how it Palpatine. ends up getting weird for your stories. Mm -hmm. I look, a lot of Marvel, a lot of a lot of things. Um... But yeah, the, the refusal to kill characters can be really bad for your story because all of a sudden, like, what? Like, we, 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 you kill any tension, you kill any concern if you know that a character is going to get back to the status quo. If yeah. you know Boba Fett is back, which <sighs> could go either way, but if you know Boba Fett's back and that, like, there's nothing that can happen to Boba Fett, it, it yeah. makes him less badass. Yep, it takes away, it, it makes things like a soap opera. Yeah, that too. You know, my um, mom used to watch soap operas and it would be like, well, that guy's dead. And then the next season he comes back because, oh no, that was my twin brother and blah, 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 yeah. blah. There's yeah. this like really weak story point in order to justify this really popular character who they underestimated being brought back. Yeah. I, I think with Dave Filoni, in my opinion, Dave Filoni's earned the credibility to handle revival of a character in a, in a way better way than maybe some others do. And by that, I mean like, look at JJ Abrams and Palpatine. That was disingenuous bull crap. All right. But then you look at the way Dave Filoni handled Darth Maul, where he said, Hey, you know what? We had a really cool character and kudos to George. He, <clears throat> he made the decision to kill him in the first episode. But I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of metrics that showed the only bright point in that movie was a lot of the marketing surrounding the image of Darth Maul and, and, the, and, the, and the screen time of Darth Maul. Yeah. I'm sure that there's a lot of metrics that go into that. And Dave said, you know what, let's, let's bring him back, but let's make him his own character because he never yeah. even got explored. Yes, they did. Been bring back Darth Maul. They first of all did a lot of interesting things. Second of all, had him be permanently altered by what they did. Mm -hmm. And third of all, like they still had like th that story arc still had an ending in mind. Yep. And we got to that ending versus just this. No, we're just gonna last in this 
mediocre, nothing ever changes forever. Yeah, and the funny thing was is that you look at Clone Wars, the last season that we just had, and Darth Maul obviously plays such a huge part in it, and we all know he's going to die. Like, Obi-Wan's going to kill him. Yep. And it didn't ruin anything for me. You know what I mean? It was more so like, how's he going to get out of this? And what's, you know, sure, I, there was an absolute in mind, and I've seen him in Solo as well, right? Around the same period. Yeah. And it just makes, it makes for me that storytelling in that time frame is just super compelling when he's involved. Because now, so. yeah, you know, Go we're going it. to get into Ezra. We're going to get into, you know, Admiral Thrawn. Is Timothy Oliphant maybe Admiral Thrawn? Ooh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I, he's kind of got the voice for it. Timothy Oliphant's an interesting actor. He's an interesting actor. Yeah. Um, I do think that, I mean, you know my position that I've talked about before, that I think Star Wars needs to become... Star, I, I think that the nature of Star Wars plots and what we've done already has shown that a lot of people wanted to get beyond the binary of mm -hmm. it's just it's just good it's just good space wizards versus bad space wizards. Um I love that they're adding in they're doubling down on like the Mandalorians are this anti-Jedi group that has the capacity to take on a Jedi. And mm -hmm. then we're also adding in this larger kind of thing of Jedi and Sith are terrifying if you are not one of them. Yep. Well um, that's basically where the Mandalorians are. They they yeah, hate exactly Jedi right. and Sith, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and then they, had, they they brought it up in Clone Wars, and then now again that like a lot of their stuff was an anti Jedi set of decisions. And then you also look at um, Fallen Order. To its credit, Darth Vader was terrifying to fight. Mm -hmm. And even Rebels, that early times, whenever they fight an Inquisitor, and it's like, no, no, we're not going to win. Our goal is to escape. Yeah, much like uh, Matrix and the the agents. Exactly. And I think that that I think that if you want Star Wars to go beyond just the Skywalker family drama, you need to start exploring some of those other. I positions. think this is the first steps of it, right? Where we're looking at introducing a character from. Uh, I'm happy that it's from the cartoons. I'd love to see that full idealized universe where it's books, comics, wherever. Uh, I'm happy to see it, though, with Dave Filoni able to shepherd in some of these characters into live action like we have the idea of ahsoka being pretty much confirmed and obviously oh. not 100 percent, but we have sabine making that appearance in the trailer we yeah. think we don't know for sure we have katie sackoff going to be reprising or going to be uh taking on the role of one of the mandalorians from the clone wars mm -hmm. right like this is like i can't not see katie sackoff when i'm watching uh, the last season, those last four episodes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I'm just like, what a brilliant casting job that is. And for her to get in on Star Wars after such an epic run on Battlestar Galactica and other Netflix stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really excited to see where this might go. Right. Nice. Like we're talking about the idea that Dave Filoni might be making a whole bunch of other side projects for star Wars and just completely avoiding these movies and just be like producing live action in that, in that theater kind of set that they have the environment that they have being able to pump out multiple shows on Disney plus and really inspiring the fan base and getting to what it is that we're all talking about. Yeah. You know, a little bit of Jedi stuff, but it's not going to be Skywalker. 
it's not going to be, you know, is it, is Boba Fett still Boba Fett or is it someone else wearing Boba yeah. Fett's armor? Yeah. You know, there are places that this can go. That's a lot of fun. Now that Mandalorian isn't a race, it's, it's a creed. Yeah. Which is definitely bringing it back to what it was in the, um, legends canon of it started as a race and then became something more. Yeah. It's a it's a good place to be. Now, apparently, on the other speculative end of things, I was surprised to see so many articles, and I know it's refuted, but this type of news, sometimes when it is true, i.e. when Lord and Miller got canned, when all the disruptions were happening on Rogue One with Kathleen Kennedy and the writers slash directors and bringing in David Gilroy and blah, 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 blah. All these denials run by these... News outlets that obviously get fed a story that counters the real story that comes out. I'm reading this in that same vein. I could be wrong. But it looks like the whole uproar about Pedro Pascal is getting more credibility that he's not even showing up to set anymore. That he's just going to do the voice and post and that's it. He's just totally PO'd about not having his face being shown. Yeah. And maybe wanting a, a raise and dissuading basically Dave and, and John from, you know, rethinking the balance of the show in the episodes that they have to maybe re-rigging them through some extra shoots to have less to do with the Mandalorian and more about the universe. So I think that bodes well, to be honest, uh, but I'm tired of seeing the constant circus that's around Star Wars. When it comes to these behind the scenes yeah. types of things. I think we're all tired of that. I don't think we want to see these headlines. I hope that they're wrong. Yeah. But where there's smoke, there's fire. And I'm sure that there's some conflict there. But it's up to them to sort it out. I hope they all put on their big boy pants. And, uh, and get down to it. Now, enemies were this week. I got to give a big shout out, even though it's off topic, to Shit's Creek. The only time I can say shit's Creek and not get in trouble for something um, because they cleaned house in the comedy category. I'm not a big awards guy. I'm not going to count them up, but I'm sure it was seven or eight. And the big geek uh, kind of win out of all this was Watchmen, which isn't political at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Watchmen got three Emmys nominated for six, I believe. Yep. And uh, I think that they were basically the, uh, the hands down big winners of the evening as far as a, a, a single title. So good on them. I, I don't think Golden Girls was up for any. Real tragedy. But that's the world we live in now. Yeah. So, but what, at least what is it that a show that has been off the air for 29 years can't win an Emmy this year? I know it, 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 it was the Amazon's brilliant relaunch of that. Like watching you guys talk about Golden Girls is just killing me. And I don't have a problem no. with Golden Girls. I just don't understand the fascination. Because thank you for being a friend. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what you've been watching lately because it was kind of a quiet week, but uh. I, I actually logged into Disney Plus, which I know he don't have that service anymore. Um, this week, they ran an ad across the top of my thing, obviously new to the platform. It was a 20th Century Fox film, The Fault in Our Stars. 
yeah, based on a book. Yeah. Was that ever a cry fest for me? Was it? Oh my gosh. I started watching it and I was curled up in a ball convulsing by the end of it. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a movie. Holy cow, talk about heavy. Yeah, it's gonna do that to you. Yeah, the whole cancer thing. Oh my god. Um, it's so yeah, brutal. two people with terminal cancer having an uh, basically having a uh uh being in love with one another and meeting your stars and watching them be complete dirt bags. Oh, it's such a thing. Oh my gosh. Um I I highly recommend it for the off uh geek venture. If anybody wants to submit subject themselves to it, it is worthwhile. It's brilliantly acted. Um it it it's it's pretty heavy though. So be aware of it. Um the other big news that came out this week for me personally was Dark Crystal Age of Resistance has been officially canceled. Yeah, that was a choice. Yep. So I I, I did a little bit of digging into it. I just want to get this out first. So I looked mm-hmm. into it and I someone uh I'm gonna find out who why. But yeah, people sure. people smarter than me did some digging into why so many Netflix shows only about get to about two or three seasons. So yeah, it looks like Wired has this story. CBR did a version of it earlier. But basically the gist from the Netflix, uh, Netflix from the Wired reporting is that because of how they structure their contracts, if if you have a show that is successful enough that it does particularly well, you get a bonus. Mm-hmm. Basically, that compensation for the core creative teams goes up with each additional season. So if you have a show that's successful, mm-hmm. your pay keeps going up. Cool idea. Mm-hmm. The result is that you know, each season is increasingly expensive to make. Yeah. Uh, the other side of it is that Netflix doesn't like having a show run a deficit in the in, in like the first set of run. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So basically, for a show to last on Netflix you need to be able to get a pretty wide audience as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's where a lot of the fan anger comes from. Oh, yeah. Because it, we yeah. got kited along for a year without the cancellation, and we all have this like little rule. If your show comes on in season one, and then three weeks later it's canceled, that's when it's going to be canceled from Netflix. Because they look at how many people streamed it in that, that month or whatever. And they make their decision based off of, uh, you know, some kind of calculator based off of that. This went on for a year of Netflix not committing either way. And I think a lot of people made the mistake of reading that. Well, that's a good sign. However, when I look at how crazy season one was. All right. It looks to me like. Like. Cheryl. Henson comes up to Netflix and says, well, how about we do this hybrid cartoon live action thing? Netflix says, well, no, let's just do the whole thing in practical effects. 
and the eyes, right? Like the producers, the writers, the directors are all like, are you serious? That's a lot of work, but we're up for it. So they go out and they make this thing. When you watch the making of the Age of Resistance, you can the excitement is palpable, right? Oh, yeah. And then I keep on looking at it. I'm going, this isn't sustainable. Because not only is it all practical effects, oh no, we need to go out and we need to get Brian Froud, the guy who envisioned was the creative force behind the movie, and get his whole family involved. Okay, that can't be cheap, but I get it for the authenticity. You go out and you do it, and you start making sets and creatures and blah, blah, blah. And then you go, well, we need his whole entourage, the creature workshop from Jim Henson's. We need them on set. Okay, go out and do it. Netflix is writing checks at this point. Just like, all right, is it going to be good? Yeah, it's going to be good. It's kids. It's going to have a huge reach. Then they sit there and they go, you know what? It's just not good enough. We don't want Tyler doing the voice of the doctor, the Skeksis doctor. We need Mark Hamill. And you know what? Let's just get Sigourney Weaver to do the opening because that'll be fun. Yeah, why not? And let's like, you know what I mean? Like now we're, we're spending like we're at the strip club. <laughs> like this is really like Simon Pegg. What are you doing? All right. We want you to voice the Chamberlain. Like it, it's just getting ridiculous at this point. And I'm overwhelmed as a fan because I see it and I see it's coming back and I see all these big names and I see all this excitement and I'm like, yes, it's great. And it was great. But I'm thinking, how the hell do you do a season two? Like they blew their wad on the first season. Well, and I think that might be the death of it there because eh, how do you get a season two out of that and, and come up with any sensible budget? You know what I mean? Because you just basically hit the grand slam in the first season. Yeah. I don't know how you follow that up as, as a production company. That's my take on it. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, what's Netflix going to do? Like, let's just say the first season cost 200 million or 150 million. Like we're talking feature movie budgets here. Most likely like this is 10 hours of film. And on a, on a, on a product that was 37 years old. Yeah. (laughs) Like a season two, like, What are you going to do? 500 million? Like 300 million? Like, where's that number go? Because they're not going to want to go, oh, you know what? We, we got to go with different voices. We got to do this. No, we had the girl from Game of Thrones in. We had this. We had that. We, we have expectations. I just, I, it's been a tough time this week watching the fan base who I was, uh, who I'm very close with and a part of, watching them struggle so difficult like with such a hard way with coming to terms and being so angry at netflix and i'm like ah let's just celebrate the fact that netflix did it it was way beyond any of our expectations it's proven that it's a viable ip keep on writing the comics keep on writing the books let it live on and if it's good enough somebody will pick it up and try to make a second season if if you write the best second season and you publish it then maybe somebody goes, oh man, I really think that this needs to see screen time. Well, then we get it back. Like, I don't know. Easy come, easy go, I guess. Yeah. I hear you. 
And my final story of the day, Tesla. I'm going to go a little geek dodge here. Tesla had a battery event this week. I don't know if you caught any of it, but basically they're re-engineering the battery into it's going to become part of the structure of the car. It's going to drive the price down of Tesla's, uh, to which their stock price took a dive. Because <laughs> Elon Musk basically said, uh, well, it didn't take a, a, a huge dive. It just went down, though. Because Elon Musk said that he's going to conceivably be able to make a $25,000 electric vehicle for the North American market, which is a pretty aggressive price point. And the point that I really wanted, like battery technology is going to improve. They, they spoke a lot of geek speak. But the real highlight of the show for me was the fact that in the Spaceballs tradition, the Plaid triple motor supercar, yep. which is a four-door sedan, yep. set the record at, at Laguna Space, uh, uh, Speedway mm-hmm. and is basically capable of beating McLaren's fastest cars as an electric production vehicle that will be available in 2021 in a four-door sedan. Yeah. It's like zero to 60 in under three seconds. Sure. Why not? God. I just love that it's the plaid edition. Yeah. <laughs> I just love how cheeky everything is. I, I, he had me at the moment that he put that roadster into space and it had don't panic on the screen. Right there, I'm like, oh, you got me, Elon, you got me. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Anyhow, you have anything to add, Tyler? I don't like. You have any stories or anything that you want? No, I'm good. I don't like Elon. I don't. Fair enough. I. Every time this mofo opens his mouth, my portfolio of stocks goes just wiggity whack. And I'm like, no, stop. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, every time he goes on Joe Rogan. <laughs> oh my God. Now we're talking about Joe Rogan now. Look, Joe Rogan <laughs> is getting in trouble with uh, Spotify. Yes, he is. Like, How dare they? And I'm like, what? What the? F-? Everyone in this, everyone in this situation is stupid. First of all, I don't love Joe Rogan. I think Joe Rogan is Gwyneth Paltrow for white men. It's goop for men and need to deal with it. <laughs> but the other side of it is like, how does Spotify buy it? And be like, oh, I thought Joe Rogan was going to change. Like, Jesus. And maybe, they, and maybe this is, you know, they, they had an agreement behind the scenes. And now, like, Joe is like, I didn't think you'd enforce that. And they're like, what the, what's wrong with you? Or, I don't know. I, I, I think that the only people who are in at all possibly the right here are the staff at Spotify being like, hey, we're yeah. not comfortable being involved with this. Yeah, I think that employees like you get that right. You get to say to your boss, "I don't, I'm not cool with this," because otherwise it, it goes. It's just like working at Coop when one of the brings the candle that smells like female genitalia. All right, and it's just apparently Joe Rogan might be making candles that smell like something else. I don't know, sure, right? But <laughs> god damn it, yeah, it's it's Joe Rogan's Joe Rogan. Good for him, but you know, it's a special brand. Uh, the only sure. endearing thing that I'll say about his show is because of the long form, it's impossible to hide who you are. And I, I think that that point entirely. Oh, really? I disagree with the inability to hide who you are at, entirely. I've ah, seen I... a number of people that have been able to fairly effectively stump 
Joe Rogan's capacity. I think that it is a safe space for snowflakes to, be able to <laughs> go on. No, it's straight up for as much as they bitch about safe spaces and snowflakes. Yeah. Even Bill Burr is calling Joe out of like, what the fuck's wrong with you? But yeah, it's it's a safe space for snowflakes that oh, I don't like how the world's changing. It's like, yeah, I get pissed off how the world's changing sometimes too. But yeah. Joe playing softball with people and doing the bare minimum pushback with people with some, frankly, fairly reprehensible views does not yeah. scream to me, we're getting to the bottom of this or you can't hide who you are. Like, Joe Rogan had Milo Yiannopoulos on the show. Did he not? I, I I don't know. I don't actually. Years ago, I used to watch his show, or maybe summaries of a show. Episode and, 102. Uh, there we go. Um, Episode 102. I I found that some of the stuff was interesting. Some of it didn't appeal to me at all. So I wasn't a regular consumer of a show. But I've noticed more and more lately, like the hot clips that I see, just seem to be more controversial than anything else. It's like shock jock, shock jock radio. Oh, 100%. Well, and him doubling down on, like, trans issues with just, like, the least educated yeah. take. Yeah, I agree. Is, like, come on, man. You see, like, I watch him on, he's done a few episodes of Man vs. Meat, I think. Sure. On Netflix and stuff. I don't mind him in that, but he's not saying his opinion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's going oh, yeah. out there and hunting an animal, which... I, I find that that's probably as close as I'll ever get to hunting. So it's fun to watch for me, but, um, or it appeals to me on some kind of, of level, but it's not something that I regularly consume. And that's been my exposure to him. And, and like maybe some of his stand up comedy, which I think when you're doing stand up comedy, you're doing, you're doing things to provoke audiences. You're doing things to generate that laugh or, or, or finish that phrasing or do whatever, right? You're, you're on the play. So I get I, it, but yeah. it's hard to do, I guess. Like, like, yeah, it doesn't sound. Everything that I hear coming out of his show seems to be controversial, just for the sake of being controversial. Well, yeah, I think he has reached. In I'm an enlightened centrist. Bullshit political views. When it's like, God damn it, you yeah. brought this up. You brought this up. No, it's it's the whole pol political polarization, and he plays it, into it. Yeah, he 100% plays into it. And he... I, I, I don't understand how you look at some of the, the situations going on in the world today and you go, both sides are the same. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. I agree that, you know, if you look at any, any party in Canada, I have criticisms of. I think none of them are doing as good of a job as I think they should. And same thing yeah. for the United States. But mm -hmm. also, like... One party is saying, hey, gay people shouldn't have rights. And the other party's like, well, I think, you know, corporate tax should only go up by 27% instead of 35%. And it's like, god damn it. How is this a fucking choice? Oh my goodness. I think that's the best spot to leave it off at because I think Tyler's just going to go crazy quietly now. <laughs> choice. Anyhow, people. It's been a great show. I appreciate everybody coming along to hear about all things geek. Our news episode number 16. 
We talked about lots of fun stuff, but I just want to let everybody know where you can find us. And now our website is www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, really anywhere that you have podcasts. And uh, if you like what you hear, make sure that you smash the subscribe button. We really appreciate it. And it's made possible. Like this whole show is made possible by listeners like you. So we thank you for your support. And please reach out to us on the Twitter, on the Instagram, anywhere where you can find us. Let us know how you enjoyed it, what you didn't enjoy, what you'd like to see talked about, what maybe we missed. We appreciate it, people, and have yourself a great day. It's all in canon. Oh, I forgot. It's in canon. Tyler, what is it? It's all in canon.